Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello Broncos fans and welcome to the Round 7 slash Round 8 Winch Fest episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch and I'm joined on the line by our good friend Simo. How are you going, Simo? Yeah, not bad. Yourself? Mate, I'm doing okay. I am uh, trudging along with life. It's been tough, but I'm still here. We're still here. But we're joined by our um, our second ever guest after King Wally's public toilet escapades when he dialed in a few years ago. We've got... Uh, ben, as known, Benny DTD on, on Twitter, he's joined us. He's a, a, a diehard Broncos fan. We've met him before in, in Brisbane. Uh, wanted to get on and uh, voice his opinion and, jo- and join in on the, uh, the goofy thing with me and Simo. So, Ben, how you going, mate? Mate, I'm uh, not too bad. Uh, my suburb has actually just gone back into lockdown in Melbourne. So, other than that, I'm angry at the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you mad at, Matt? The mate, the lockdown or the Broncos? Uh, it's a it's a tough one because like the the lockdown originally made me super depressed just because I just literally couldn't leave the house. But as I, I think I said to you last week, I was miserable on Saturday, proper miserable when I was you know up seeing the lady, and she just said, "Don't come around between Thursday and Sunday because you get miserable." Oh God. Yeah, my missus already. My missus, as everyone knows, listens here is, is from Russia, and she's been living in Australia just this year. And she's been warned by everybody about the post Broncos depression, all my friends and whatever. <laughs> but you just can't be ready for it, can you, mate? Like when there's someone, you know, there's just like many of us, you know, it's like maybe a five percent of the overall NRL, NRL fan base that like your team losing can absolutely ruin your weekend, not for your, only yourself, but for the family and friends around you. Hey. Oh, it, it's a real thing. Like, you know, as you said, it's a sports thing. I don't know why we like sports so much, but when a club like the Broncos goes this poorly, you can't help but take it personal and make it personal for those around you. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's a messed up time. <laughs> it's the worst, mate, that I am. Um, I'm with my old man. We're living with my old man, myself and Anastasia, and he's a diehard Broncos fan too. And obviously he's the reason why I was a Broncos fan growing up. And it's like... She can't cop that every time we lose, the next two days is like me and dad in the room going, you hear this? What about this Lockyer? What about Carl <laughs> Boris this time? Oh, you see what Paul White said? Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, the, I guess the good thing about lockdown is now Amy can't come down to visit me, so I'm going to have four weeks of being able to punch the walls. <laughs> yeah, mate. You can lock yourself in there, go real insane, and just go through all those Carl Morris quotes every second day and just bang your head against the wall until it stops hurting. Yeah, the poor dog won't know what's going on, but that's for another day. <laughs> yeah, three and a half weeks of punching drywall, and then you've got a couple of days to patch it all up before you let people back in. <laughs> yeah, i got a long lease. Yeah. So I should be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Ben, you want to give us some of, some of your background, mate? You grew up a, a, a talented footy player and a, a footy fan and, you know, obviously a Broncos diehard. But why don't you give us a little bit about yourself? I know these are always awkward, but it's, uh, you know, people got to know about our guests on here. Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I have been a, a Broncos fan for my whole life. Uh, my dad was actually a um, Dragons fan, um, stemming back to the early days because they were around before the Broncos were. But, um, you know, once a Queensland team came in, it was a sort of easy transition for, for me to be a Broncos fan and I still remember when I was nine years old watching the uh you know the 92 grand final sitting down in the living room and it was daytime grand finals then and you know we're all celebrating and flags and all that sort of stuff so you know obviously a long time Broncos fan um seen all their premierships which is fantastic but um you know I, I honestly couldn't 
I couldn't tell you when I back then that 2006 would have been our last. I would have laughed because we are the giants of rugby league in Australia. Like, I don't mean that. Obviously, the Roosters are doing super well at the moment, but because we're a one-team town, we have all the resources and everything like that, we shouldn't go through periods of 14 years now without a win. Obviously, we made the granny in 2015, but that was the first one since 2006 as well. So, yeah, just, you know, like I said, long, long-term long Broncos fan, live by the club, die by the club, but obviously it's not going super well at the moment, so some sort of change uh, needs to happen. Yeah, mate, you're um, one of the few listeners that, you you know, I know you remember you were a bit finished with Wayne at the end there, but you're also one of the few that when Seabold came on board, you weren't exactly, you know, falling for the, what the smoke and mirrors that we somehow signed one of the, the world's greatest coaches that no one had seen before that, like, you know, you definitely didn't buy into that. So you've also had the um, the questioning of the process the whole time means some I've had definitely, hey. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, what they did to Wayne was obviously the wrong thing. And while Seabold had a fantastic year at South and I was optimistic that he could do some things, you know, because we had a good side, I was optimistic that he could do some good things with it. I always wanted Wayne to have that last year, which would have been this year, and then Demetrio to take over from there because it was ready-made relationships with the club, with the players. Wayne would have still been with the club, so he could have overseen what JD was doing. JD's obviously got a really good rapport with a lot of the players. He's got his own techniques, his own style. From all reports, he's a real tough master, which some of these young kids need. And you can obviously see in recent times and even last year that these guys are just getting absolutely filled with nonsense game plans and that he's just trying to be too tricky I feel so yeah I was always on board for Wayne staying on with JD taking over but I was optimistic at the same time that Seabold could actually do something with the roster but that's uh, proven to be false. Yeah I don't think um, I don't think anybody could have predicted even as one of the largest Wayne fans and non-believers of Seabold none of us could predicted it going this bad like you just you said we are the Broncos doesn't happen to our club, and it's like we can probably count the seasons on one or two hands in our, you know, sorry, in one hand that we were embarrassed by the club through its history, and now this is two years in a row. Like I went to all the away games in Sydney last year, as I do, and all of a sudden I was rocking up the games just expecting to lose by thirty. It's yeah. just not the experience of being a Broncos fan, is it? No, not at all. And you know, like I said, we're, we're the powerhouse club in the NRL. It's you know, you look at the Yankees and stuff like that in American sports or or the Dallas Cowboys, or, you know, Real Madrid, Man United, all those sorts of clubs, that's the sort of weight that the Broncos carry within the NRL, and they are languishing way, way behind in what they should be delivering. Yeah, and, and really tough as well, like, you've seen the real lack of ownership and, and leadership and responsibility has been the real tough part for myself. Like, when, when Wayne got wide-handed, obviously, I can't expect every fan who supports the club to understand the, the background dynamics of Brisbane and understand who's responsible for what, because not everybody knows that about any club, but it's come out over the last few weeks. Everyone's starting to understand that what Paul White's role is, what Peter Nolan's is, what Locke is, is what Carl Morris's is and what roles they played in what's happened the last three years. And it's been so embarrassing over the last few weeks that there's not one person at this powerhouse club, you know, who are one hand are happy to take, the praise when the club is doing well, like they're the world's greatest sports administrators. But on the other hand, we lose four or five games in a row and it's just the blame game. And that feels such unlike the Brisbane Broncos of my existence, because as we both know, even if it wasn't his fault, through most of his existence, Wayne Bennett took the blame for things at Brisbane. And now right now, nobody wants it at all. It's bizarre. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, we, we've had some rough times with Wayne before and, you know, at no stage has the chairman or the CEO or anyone ever come out and, you know, played it to the public about what we're doing, what we're going through and all that sort of thing. Um, but ever since Seabold comes on, we've had to have those guys coming out and trying to almost tell the public it's okay. I mean, I, I wish Brody Croft had a good passing game like the CEO and everything are passing the buck for the blame. You know, it's it's been... <laughs> It's been a joke, really. Like, there's everyone's coming out. No one's taking ownership. All of a sudden, it's going to take us two years to rebuild this roster that was picked for the grand final last year and 
told we'd do better this year. So, I mean, yeah, it's a very confusing time. That's it, mate. And then even yesterday, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he did it. Obviously, I want to move on. I want to move on for the Wayne Bennett stuff. I really do. But I'm glad he came out yesterday and just shat all over everything because it just came from nowhere all of a sudden that, as, as Wayne said, the guys who put this process in motion and who pushed him out of the club are somehow blaming him for the, the situation the club is in. And, it's, if, and if any self-respecting fan somehow believed that in Wayne's last year, when they were trying to get rid of him, that they were also letting Wayne sign all the contracts. You've got rocks in your head. But Wayne just simply laid out step by step, this is who does what, this is who has power at Brisbane, this is how it happened. If Seabold didn't want to go there, you know, he well, you know, he made he architected the move up there. There's all these rep players when I left, blah, blah, blah. It's no one's fault but the Broncos. Which is hundred oh, percent true. It is a hundred percent true. Like, you know, like you were saying, he just put it out there, he didn't you know, solely push the whole blame onto anyone else. He was part of that retention committee mm. with some of the players and he owned that. But like he said, the whole thing about Anthony Seabold coming to take an inferior roster just would not have happened. Yeah. Simo, you're going to say something to me? Yeah, yeah. The, the whole argument when people say, oh, you know, Wayne was in charge of all the contracts and gave Darius Boyd all that. And it's like, well, for me... I don't know, people don't want to put it on like, oh, Lockyer and Morris and White or whatever because it looks bad if they're the ones that signed all those. But if they were the ones that let Wayne Bennett do all that when they're all trying to asshole him from the club, that's even an even worse look for them. Like, Yeah, right, 100%. If, if, that, if you're running the club that way, you're just letting a guy you're trying to kick, like, fire run everything at the club still, like, you got to go. Like, that's even worse than signing some bad contracts. 100%, mate. And then, like, the... The whole thing they were talking about lack of leadership and all that kind of stuff too is just hilarious and the retention, like the, the recruitment issues, like they've got nothing to do with it. Even though you're like, you can Google Darren Lockyer and find out that he's actually also a leadership consultant at the club this year too. And he's out there publicly bashing like, there's no leaders at this club and we've been left in this mess. Like, what do you mean you've been left in this mess? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting to hear him come out, I think it was today or yesterday and just say, yeah, look, our retention probably has been a little bit questionable. We probably do need to look at our roster. Oh, you know, the funny thing is Ben Eichens actually said the smartest thing of everyone so far. And he said that the way our list is structured is an absolute disgrace. And I a hundred percent agree with him because it, it really is. It is. And we've obviously covered this a bit in the past on this podcast, but the fact that like the distribution of funds in the first place is the biggest problem with that roster, like how we've nickeled and dimed the best, the most key position on the field for the last few years at halfback, whilst we've also happily paid over $500,000 a year for multiple bench forwards. Like who thought that was a good idea? Well, uh, yeah, I certainly didn't. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, the fullback position, and obviously we've spoken at length um, over, a new, over a number of times around the halfback position. Um, and, you know, as we said, Milford does cop a lot of heat for A, not running the ball, or B, not being a game manager. And I, I think we spoke years ago about the Broncos needing to put the pieces in play to allow him to be the guy that they signed on that million-dollar deal. You don't sign someone to a million-dollar deal and then try and mould them into a player that you need. Yeah. You buy a player that you need to let that guy be the million-dollar player he is. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, we've probably uh, broken him to the point of, uh, <laughs> of no return on that one, though, it feels like. But, oh, it does I mean, feel that way. And that's also one thing that's exhausting me too, though, mate, is that a lot of people are now wanting to sack, like, 15 of the players. And it's like, you can't just, like, okay, go ahead and sack 15 of them, but that's not the root of the problem. It's not coincidence that almost all of these guys are somehow in career-worst form at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I actually think the roster is solid bar, say, four or five pieces. Yeah. 100% mate, it's like the, the need, we need a better seven, probably a better hooker, even though I like Turpin, probably a fullback. And that's just like, not great saying that in key positions, but there's nothing wrong with that pack. And, you know, maybe the back line isn't full of stars, but there's a lot of guys with potential there you can work with. But since we've lost Hodges, like our back line hasn't exactly been, you know, the back line of the early 90s and sort of early 2000s. Like, you know, We've had guys like Maranta and Reed oh, and Pearson <laughs> and, you know, all of these guys that are doing a job out wide because we've had players in certain positions that can actually create everything for us. 
we've still got players in positions that can create everything for us. So having two gun centers isn't what we need. Katoni Staggs is going to, he's going to, you know, morph himself into a really good center once he actually tightens up his defense. His attack mm. is fantastic at the moment. So we can play with the guys that we've got out wide. That's not going to be a drama. It's about the guys that can do the job in the middle of the field, a fullback that runs support play, you know, the forwards that can offload with Milford and a fullback running off them, hookers who can get guys above the ad line, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, mate, you've, you've nailed that there. Um, anyway, I don't, don't know if we want to keep covering the same tracks. We'll only cover a few through questions. What do you reckon, Simo? Why don't we ask questions and me and Benny will answer them, but why don't you throw into Ben first as the fresh voice? Everyone's heard me bitch and moan. We'll give Ben the bitch and moan chance first, and then we'll pass it around after that. Um, I've got one here from Paul Mac underscore 78 on Twitter. I asked it last week after we stopped recording, but I thought it was an interesting talking point. So we'll start with that one. Um, he said, so the 17th franchise comes in in 2022. Wayne Bennett is the coach. Seabold is still fucking up the Broncos. Would you switch to a new club? Nah, you always, you live and die by the Broncos, no matter how bad they're going. Um, you'd hope by then there's change. Um, but no, I couldn't just jump ship just because Wayne's there. I mean, I've been supporting the Broncos for, you know, 30 years, so it's not going to change. Yeah, that's it, mate. Like, you know, I've been supporting them since I was oh, it's now 30 years as well. But, you know, it's not like if a new Brisbane team came in, they would represent me more than Brisbane. I was born in Milton. You know, I am a Brisbane boy from up there, and that's the team my whole family supports. And I'll stick by them. It's just tough now that you'd have to be an, an absolute massive change of culture or some other issue for me to jump off the Broncos. Like, I know some fans in America eventually jumped off certain teams, but it's got to do with the way ownership has behaved or similar. And it just it's not really possible in Australian sports for that kind of thing to happen, you know, an owner to come in with questionable morals or similar, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if Dan Snyder came in and bought the Broncos, I'd definitely consider it. But That's it, mate. Yeah. I, as is, I wouldn't leave the Broncos. But if Wayne Bennett was coaching another team, like a new franchise, not that you'd be support them, but kind of, you know, second team kind of thing. I'd definitely be interested to see how they go. Uh, but if the other Brisbane stuff. team, mate, it, it's like that's going to that's gonna sting. If, if he was the head coach of the other Brisbane team and then moved into a backroom role there for the rest of his life, that would hurt, man. Oh, it, that would definitely be tough. I mean, the, see, I'm lucky. I was born in Townsville, so the Cowboys came in after I was born and after I was already, you know, indoctrinated into the Broncos, so... I can easily get behind the Cowboys as I've got sort of ties up there. I've got family up there. That's where I was born and all that sort of thing. But, you know, no matter what happens, it's it's always going to be the Broncos. Um, Radio, I've run a Facebook uh, and we'll probably get in all of these questions a lot of a few double ups from previous weeks, but that's where we are at this point. Uh, <laughs> Oscar Wallace, he said, should Brisbane make a play for James Mullaney? I've heard Catalans are willing to release him to save some money. Um, I don't. I don't think it's a bad idea. I think they probably should have gone after him before he went to Catalans. Um, you know, and have him as a one-year deal, possibly two-year deal to to bring Dearden along. You know, he's he's a guy that obviously brings success to most teams that he actually plays with. Um, I think he's a right asshole at training and all that. <laughs> but, but you know, at the same time, I think he would be. He would be something that would be very good for young halves to work with because he plays the game the way a lot of people need to play the game. He gets under people's skin. He's a bit of a prick. But I loved playing league with those sort of guys. Like playing with those sort of guys really makes your team better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. There you go, Simo. Sorry, mate. Oh, was just, like he's just a winner. Like everywhere he goes, that team wins. Even when he went to the Warriors, which not many people can make that team win, but they were winning when he was there. Yeah, I'm just for me, it's like it's just that point. If it was before, earlier, as Benny said, I'd be in favour. At this point, I don't, I don't see the purpose. It's like I don't want to put any more roadblocks in front of Tom Dearden. For me, like I don't want to put someone else there. If we, if we could top him for Brody Croft, I'd do it yesterday. But yeah. Uh, from Edge Matthews, looking at this current crop of players this year, surely now Shane Perry has to be considered a Broncos great. <laughs> um, I, I'd never not consider him a great. He won a Premier <laughs> <laughs> So from Paul John Catus, 
Uh, how many statements in the team song are currently accurate? So I've got the team song here in front of me. Which Don't was... read it. It's just the first line. Um, yes, that's what we are. We, we are the Broncos. Yeah, yeah that's a, that line's fun. accurate. And then there's like, you know, we keep fighting every second. Greatest team on earth, heart of Queensland. We never stop. Um, there's another line here later on um, that seems pretty accurate. Um can't even see it now. I can't even read. Oh, here we go. It's talking about rugby league. It says it's the best game of all. That that lines are still accurate. Um, but apart from that, it's <laughs> you know we're miles above and we're standing. And they, and they tall. yell, they yell, hey, at the end as well. <laughs> oh, it's got maroon and gold. We're still maroon and gold sometimes. So you know, um, give them partial credit on that one then. Yeah, there's that's about four percent of that song that's still accurate. Um, from Mark J. Clark, he wants us to let the boys know that the true fans still have their back and we all have crap days. I'm Stephen Carter. Do you guys recommend any good shows? Okay, wait up, wait up. I resent, I resent that comment of true fans. I resent that. Yeah, true fans doesn't mean you just give a pass to a poor performing team. True fan means you can see the team for what it is and what it needs improving to be a great team again because I, I yeah like you said it, that's a cop out that's for bad teams when they're nice. just having a bad run like we're a good team as a good club and we should be playing good football regardless there's no such thing as a rebuild in Brisbane I'll always have my teams back but that doesn't mean I necessarily support what they are currently doing yeah no I agree there um, Stephen Carter said, do you guys recommend any good shows to binge? Thinking of starting a new show at 5.30 Saturday afternoon. I have Stan, Netflix, Amazon Prime and Disney. Thanks in advance. <laughs> yeah, if you go to YouTube, I think you can put on loop um, paint drawing. So just watch that. It goes for about 10 hours. My recommendations is always just a classic. Go watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It just skips season Great. One. Cool. Start at season two and and you're laughing. Um, Johnny O'Donnell, do the Broncos hire Kearney to help Seabold? How long do we have to wait till our useless halves and Boyd get the flick? Seems like players around them are getting dropped. Jermaine last week, now Oates before they do. So Seabold is like, you know, I've heard you guys mention it before about the shuffling deck chairs and everything like that. It just seems that he wants to avoid the elephant in the room. So clearly Darius is not performing, hasn't been for 18 months. They've moved him from fullback to 5'8", back to fullback, now to centre, um, and nothing has worked, and he's still performing as badly as he has, you know, for the last year and a half. Um, Jermaine was a scapegoat for that. He was obviously easy to drop because he wasn't going to be the fullback at the start of the year for some random reason. Um, Seabold wanted Bird there, which again baffles the mind. Um, so yeah, for me, Boyd's got to be dropped. Jermaine should be playing fullback. Tessie's still obviously young, so he's got to play games against men. He's got to have another full year in Q Cup to properly develop, probably even a little bit longer. Um, I think Dearden needs to play seven over Croft because Croft is just awful. Um, you know, and obviously, I'm looking for. Turpin to come back, but Isaac Luke has been probably our best performer in the last two weeks, which is insulting, you know, for most of the fans watching the game. Like, you yeah. can't be having Isaac Luke being your best player. I haven't been uh, able to out of him yet. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, there's changes that need to be made that aren't being made, and he's making changes for players that don't really stand up for themselves because he knows he can just do it. The thing I don't get about the Boyd one, though, is, like, that's the biggest slam dunk you'll ever see. Like, no one except Darius Boyd is going to be upset with that. Not one person. So it's just open and shut case. Like, do it. Yeah, like, I guess you have to, you know, Seabold likes to talk about how much of an influence he has on the playing group, but he's having a shocking influence at the moment just through his actions. You know, if he speaks well and all that sort of stuff at training... Have him run water. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. put him out on the field because he, he's not defending. He does not run a line as a center. 
And he's he's literally just wearing a jersey out there and doing nothing. That's it, mate. And, and what you mentioned there is also a, a problem I had with, with Seabold last year, and I still have it this year, but that whole thing about he almost overvalues training. Like, you know, I know I know for a fact now down at the Tigers and, and Mike Maguire is a noted, you know, taskmaster and noted hard ass. I know that he doesn't give a shit about Joe Lay Lewis' effort at training. Yep. He gets to take days off still. And he couldn't care less when he plays like he did on the weekend prior. And neither will his teammates. Seabold cares way too much about training performance. I'm gonna throw out a mate. I'm gonna throw out a little humble brag here, but I'm with you with the whole Joey Lay Lua thing. I remember training in our Aussie squad for touch footy, and the coach told us that if we didn't make it to 10 on the beep test, we wouldn't be picked in the team. So myself and another bloke thought we'd put that to the test and pulled out at 9.8 or something like that. And he was like, nah, you're still in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, training doesn't matter. It doesn't, mate. It's just, it's, it is routine and setting some form of standard, but those kind of things that Boyd does, they matter in preseason because you're not playing towards anything but getting in shape and getting ready. They don't mean shit round eight. No one cares anymore if Boyd's putting in at training. It's like you always hear stories of like Brett Stewart. Obviously, his knees and everything were shot, but you know, he wouldn't train through the week. He'd just like go for swims and stuff like that better on his joints and then but no one no one cares because he's showing up and he's playing on the weekend and he's one of the best players in his position yeah well, Dean not, Young at the Dragons Premiership you did nothing but the captain's run the whole season well they're not going to give out a trophy for us training well that's no. it and, and back to the start of that question before we move on he did ask about Kearney and what I will say I'm very pro Stephen Kearney as an assistant big fan of his as an assistant a real good taskmaster and a hard ass and good for defence but what it does scare me a little again, though, is we've spoken about very often on this podcast the Isaac Moses influence at this football club, and it's become more public recently with Ricky Stewart dissing it the other day. But my concern is just this week we we hear the alarm bells ringing that Seabold needs some help in that in that uh, you know as an assistant coach and staff, which is funny anyway. We should have had good assistance in the first place. But my scare is. The two alarm bells that rang were two Isaac Moses clients, Stephen Kearney and Kevin Walters. And one of the other ones they just let go, Corey Parker, because he's in the Fox Sports bubble, is another one. It's like, can we get somebody who just isn't tied to that fuckwit? Just one person. I mean, I'm not, so I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got just as much an idea as anyone else down there, so. Yeah. Um, righto, from David Ryland, he said, are we gluttons for punishment? Is there a way out of this shit show? It seems wherever you look, there's a violent disagreement on what to do next. These highly paid professionals seem lost on the field, which tells me that whatever is wrong happens long before they run out for kickoff. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, you're not. Um, you know, like I said, the this is a talented roster that looks like they've been fed far too much information on what they want to do out there. Like, you can't be... You can't have young kids like ours going out there trying to perform, you know, some wild game plan. I'm Like, you know, you've watched the games. I've watched the games. We look completely rudderless and directionless out there. They are bereft of ideas of what to do. Um, if I was coaching the Broncos, it would just be bash the middle of the field and play a little bit of ad-lib footy. And that would be it for the next six weeks, just... All I want you to do is hold the ball for as long as you can, not give away any penalties, and just try and play off the back of some of our individual brilliance that we can have. Some offloads off TPJ, some offloads off Lodge, off Haas. We've got the pack in the middle of the field and on the edges that can create for our guys out wide. You've seen how well Katoni Staggs can play when he's running off a little bit of broken play, off an offload, off a kick, or whatever it is. All we need to do is settle it right down make it really, really simple for these young guys to actually get themselves into their NRL careers. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, mate. The, the thing for me, and many a better, uh, sorry, better rugby league mind than mine will say this, but when you're one of these ruts with young players too, I'd be pulling offense out of training altogether. I'd be saying, mate, the points will come. What we need to do is stop the other team scoring. The whole week's focus is defense. It's defense, defense, working for each other, defense. Then we get to game day and we, you know, before the game, I said, okay, well, when we had the ball, as you said, hold the pill, work the middle, but I want you to chance your arm every set or two as well. 
You know, if they're putting pressure in the middle on second tackle or third tackle, don't be afraid to spread it 28 from our line, you know? That kind of stuff. We're so unexpansive on our own end that we get teams bog us down with their line speed. But, like, you don't, I don't want to put, as you said, spend any time in the week on block plays, any new structures, anything. I'm not doing anything on attack until we hit just on game day. Tell them to just go out there and chance at them. And we have, you said, some nat- natural talents that things will just happen for them if we can stay in games. And what happened in the times we won last year and this year, if we're going to stay in the game defensively, guys like Stags will just create something. It'll just happen. Yeah. Um, right, from SJ Chapman, he said, we don't need another loser amongst us in the coaching ranks. Say no to Kearney. So this one might be more for you, Doyle. I know you've got some thoughts on Kearney. I mean, you say loser in the ranks, but that's that's a head coaching gig. And I think people don't seem to understand the difference of the responsibility in, in those two roles. But Stephen Kearney has been an extremely successful assistant coach in his time. I mean, he was at our club as a winner in 2015 and 2016. And we at defence really missed him when he left. And before, but he had prior successful stints at the Storm and success as the, the Warriors head coach. And then, the, you know, won a, a World Cup, essentially him and Wayne working together there. He is a good assistant coach and will set standards at training. Just because he doesn't get results as a head coach does not mean he's not a good coach. He's not the only one to have travelled to that Warriors side and that Paris side and not have results, though. Like, that's a poor reflection on his coaching ability, I think. Like I said, him him as an assistant coach can be extremely valuable to a team, especially a a team full of a lot of Polynesian boys like we've got. Mm -hmm. Um, He can be, yeah, invaluable. I challenge guys, if, if you want to see a bit behind the curtain with, with Stephen Kearney, go watch not the, the Warriors 25-year documentary, but the one they did in pre-season about a year or two ago. Go watch that and you'll, you'll believe a little because I, I watched that. And it's not that, you know, it's a club put together thing. It's always going to look good. But there's a few things in that training session. I still remember one of them that they showed. And it was just, a, they had, you know, just the usual scrimmage and a training. And one of the props, I can't remember which one it was now, Play, pulled a lazy play the ball in, in at the scrimmage. And right after that, Stephen Kearney walks off the sideline, walks over to him and goes over to him, you know, come here. And he goes, if you do that fucking shit again, I'm going to come on that field and kick your fucking ass, he yells at him. <laughs> and then goes back. And it's, you know, we don't want guys spraying them all the time, but it's that's that little standards is things the Broncos are missing. We don't have that attention to detail. We don't respect possession. I want somebody, because I want it when it happens on the field, mate. When we drop the ball on, on tackle too, I want to go out there and scream in their faces, pick that, don't you drop that ball, I'll kick your fucking ass. Like, that's not bad for a defensive assistant coach. Rev ups and, and get guys sticking to detail. Might not work as a head coach all the time, might not be the world's greatest tactician, but in a real strip back role, I believe he's a leader of men and a leader of young men, and particularly Polynesian men, as Ben said. Especially given our discipline-like problem, with 100%. set you know set restarts and also penalties conceded like we are awful and that that comes straight down from coaching yeah and and that warriors team notoriously poor with possession and they probably went too far but they led the competition and completion rate two years under Kearney and they probably went a bit far with that but at least at the core of it they can hold on the bloody ball <laughs> um Jaden Edmonds he said Mitch give us your round eight tips Oh God, they were. No, no, these, these are, I've gone worse now. They're getting worse and worse every week. But um, I really want to go the storm, but I'm going to pick the Roosters on Thursday. I, I really want to go the storm without without the Roosters having Radley, but the storm missing Munster. So I think that's a bit of a bigger out considering it's Jackson Hughes in the halves. Uh, I'm going the Raiders obviously over the Dragons, Eels over Cowboys, Sharks over Titans, Warriors over Broncos, Panthers over Tigers. Knights over Sea Eagles and then Rabbitohs. So only only picking the one upset really being the um the Warriors is apparently two dollars seventy outsiders against our Rabble. What? That's massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are they really? How can, yeah. How are we a dollar forty seven? How can the Broncos be a dollar fifty or shorter in anything right now? Oh, I guess they're missing RTS, so that's probably why. But it was we were like a we were dollar fifty before RTS was ruled out. It wasn't much different. It shortened by three cents. My gosh. Yeah. Um, right. Last one on Facebook. This is a new one I have not seen before. But from Tim Kelly, he wants to try Milford at Hooker. Oh no. God! Is that Matty Johns? <laughs> no. Can you imagine Milford having to make that many tackles? Oh, 
No, we, we don't want him touching the ball to hook a million times a game either. He'd be gassed. <laughs> he doesn't have that good a passing game either. Like, no. you know, you want someone who can just give the ball off the ground. Like, my kingdom for Reese Robson right now. Oh, how good's he looked? And that was, by the way, the thing you say about pa- good cream pa- Chris Pass. Like, that's why Isaac Luke looks so good. And that's why it's so embarrassing. It's like, oh, this guy can, like, pass in front of his teammates. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. a shock. Um. I had something I wrote down here the other day and I've just remembered it here and just talking about the betting, this kind of fits in as well. So you know how often when like, say, the, you know, when the Browns went 0-16 and everyone says Alabama or Ohio could have beat them and it's like, they never would. It would be like 80 nil. But do you reckon like the best New South Wales or Q Cup side could beat the Broncos at the moment? Uh, with the reckon- amount of youth in their side, I would not, it wouldn't surprise me to see them Pull an upset. They're yeah, be I, a similar I, age, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they if we played last year's Suncoast Coast Falcons team if they beat us. Well, yeah. that team had Nico Hines in, in it, and they had a uh, Harry Grant in there, and they were undefeated for most of the year till the finals. But I would like, as you said, they probably had a higher average age <laughs> than our team. <laughs> probably better no. coach too. Yeah. No. Um. Over on the Twitter now from James K underscore thirteen twelve. How are we going to manage to butcher a try this weekend? We always seem to come up with some pretty incredible ways to fuck it up. Oh man, I've I've watched Darius blow two tries where all he's had to do is catch a kick, and he's <laughs> failed to actually attack the ball. Um, whether it's out of fear of getting hip and shouldered in the contest or whatever it may be, but we've blown the first try in a number of games this year. And it's put us straight on the back foot because it's often been a seven-tackle set that we've given away. And we'll give away a seven-tackle set, then a set restart, and then it's a try, and then we're off. Yeah. Um, Billy Ace, 99, has Simo secretly been wearing his 2014 Heritage jersey for the past five weeks? And I haven't, but I might start this weekend. We need to make sure we lose this one. (laughs) For new listeners of other fan bases, that's uh, Simo's bad luck jersey. I had, um, yeah, I've never worn it on a game day that we won. And then the last time I wore it, um, Corey Parker, it was like midweek and Corey Parker announced his retirement that day. And that was back when we loved Corey Parker. So it was sad at the time, but now it doesn't seem so bad. (laughs) Um, Never underscore trendy underscore. You are now the CEO of the Broncos. Congratulations, I guess. What are your moves? Do you want me to take this one first? Yeah, go for it. Um, well, obviously I am completely, you know, getting rid of the existing board. Um, they have to go decisions they've made in the last, you know, four years, especially have been absolutely terrible getting rid of the coach because he's obviously not done his job and then getting rid of a couple of the bad contracts that we had on the books. First thing I'll be doing is actually trying to get Craig Bellamy to move to Queensland. I'll be spending the highest number that we can under the coaching cap and saying, mate, come back home. We know you like Queensland. You're going to be our coach because we obviously know Bennett's not going to come back, but Craig Bellamy could be wishful thinking. Um, and then, yeah, it's it's literally just going to be get some experience, guys. In, I'll be going hard after Luke Keary uh, to play six, and I'll also be going after Dale Finucane to play 13. Um, and I haven't really thought about too many other sort of shakeups in the side. I think we can get away with a couple of, you know, minor tweaks here and there, but we definitely need some experience and Kiri and Finucane, I think, would provide, you know, the backs and the forwards with one really clear head uh, to help get them through. Yeah, me and you have dreamed of Finucane for a few years now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, a couple of things I'd do is, um, the first one I'd do is take, well, after, obviously the, the sackings you said, I'd, I'd follow all those, but the, the first action I'd really take myself is, wrestle the power at the club back from the playing group and, and do that kind of what the Raiders have done with some of theirs. Some of those, sometimes a player says he wants to test the market. I say, good luck to you. Yeah, go for I'm, it. We bend over for way too many players and a lot of the players don't deserve it. You know, we the ones I bend over for are like Haas and Fafita and our roster. The rest of them, go ahead and test the market if you think you're worth more. All the other ones, go ahead. We'll replace you with the Broncos. We're going back to what the Broncos were. People yeah. ask to play for us. We don't ask you to play for us. People come to me and say, I want to play for the Broncos. I don't I don't pick your – sorry, I don't call you, you call me. That's what the Broncos used to be like. 
I need, so, to, um, need to treat it like an internship and tell them that it's an honor to play for us. <laughs> That's it, mate. And they're doing it free as well, actually. <laughs> um, my answer would be pretty similar to Corey Goats here. He just said quit immediately. Um, <laughs> to go do anything else. <laughs> That's it, mate. But um, what else would I do? I think that's a, one thing is really wrestling because we do have that problem at our club with our culture that the player control in terms and their managers had their way without us, us at the negotiation table. We just can't have that anymore. Like, we and we need to be more flexible because of that. Like, we are the Broncos, and I know we're in a bad spot right now, but we should be able to go sign a Luke Keary or a Harry Grant, who's someone I'd love to have, or a Brandon Smith if Harry Grant's not going to come. But we are so fucked by giving players long con- contracts and player options that we can't even think about in two years we're going to go, go and recruit this player. Yeah, and, and a lot gets said about, like, you know, obviously Talis talks about the old boys a lot and all that sort of thing, but there is a select few guys that should be back at the club. Like, you know, you look at your seven receivers and, and web keys and, and those sort of players, I think they're really crucial to the young kids coming through uh, the club, like they took, they took less money because they knew what the Broncos could do for them as people and, you know, especially post-career as well. Like the Broncos isn't necessarily just about playing rugby league in Brisbane. You're, if you're a good Bronco, you get looked after throughout the city and then after your career is done. And a lot of the young guys probably aren't really seeing that because they haven't had those guys coming in and telling them, their responsibilities and their roles and all that sort of stuff of playing with the Broncos because it, it's a big thing. Like I said, we are the one-team town. We're the biggest brand in rugby league and they should be respectful of that and and that's not happening at the moment. Yeah, mate. I think you've nailed that there too. It's like you look after us during your career and take a bit less to play for Brisbane and the city will look after you after your career. I mean, just look at bloody like guys like Webke and Petro and all those guys I respect, but just go look at Sam Thiday and how talentless he is and the job he's in. If he wasn't yep. a Bronco, he, he ain't doing what he's doing right now. Right, uh, from Corey Goats here, he's got a couple. He said, he's dropping a winger for a bloke who just got dropped for the Harvard move. We've all been missing these weeks. Uh, I think <laughs> we've, we've been in depth on that one, and uh, that's a comprehensive, absolutely. He's made the right call. Um, yeah, um, it's um, it's <laughs> funny. The start of this year, we, me and Timo, we went through the roster money episodes, and I went through. We've got way too many backs. We've got like fifteen backs out of the thirty. Well, it looks like we're going to have to play all from Bark Jordan Carhu pretty much at this point. Canar's going to play in the next two weeks, no doubt. I mean, I'd take Jordan Carhu right now. <laughs> God. Uh, from Corey Goats again, he said, "Should I stop sending death threats to the players, or do I double down now that I've got their attention?" <laughs> um. From Saturday Night FB, it seems unfair to me that K Morris attracts more heat than P White, given A, he's a non-executive chairman, and B, White has been around for much longer. Thoughts? Well, I think Morris has been the one who's overseen the shocking decline of the club. Like, White was obviously here when we were somewhat successful, but Morris started in 2018, I think, and within 12 months, he's already let Wayne Bennett go and created this whole divide within, you know, the club that we currently see now. So, I mean, Carl Morris has really got to take on a lot of responsibility for how this has all panned out. 100%, yeah. mate. Go listen, read anything he says about rugby league and you tell me if you think he's got a goddamn clue what he's doing. He might be a very smart stockbroker. He might be a good family man. He might be all those things. I couldn't give two fucks. He might be he's a pedophile. Like, <laughs> yeah, he will. A hundred percent of his stint at the Broncos has been terrible. But I think another thing too, why people have—I think people in the past went harder at White, but now everyone's just assuming he's going. So kind of people are like, "Yeah, I can, I can trash someone else now." So I think that also plays into it. Yeah, hundred percent. And like you said it, and a lot of people have come out. It's come out publicly that Carl Morris was in charge of that Wayne Bennett move and all that kind of thing. And you know, not an executive chairman, but like it or not, his stint directly coincides with this massive nosedive. And again, every time he talks, it doesn't sound like the guy's the chairman of a board to me. It just does not. Yeah, I'm never inspired by him. Uh, D. Darrinson, where will we finish on the ladder? Thought Mitt, uh, thought we might scrape into the eight spot a few weeks ago, but the Titans' loss has me shook. Are we on for a bottom four finish? Um, I reckon we're going to finish between 10th and 12th. 
We have a pretty tough draw from here. And I did laugh at the club saying we went two and five the start of the first seven rounds last year. That's our aim again to make the finals. It will good luck in a 20 round season. But uh, <laughs> I do think we'll probably finish between that, uh, you know, maybe 11th to 14th. I'm a, a little lower than that to me. You know, we've still got to play the Storm, Bunnies, Raiders, Roosters, Panthers, Eels in our run. Like most of our games left are pretty tough. We might not win another game this year. Yeah. So we've got, what is it, Warriors now, then Bulldogs and Tigers. So say, like, optimistically, we win two of those three. And then, you just said, all those teams then coming up after that. Like, if it's as bad as we look now, I honestly don't know if Seabold survives or makes next season. I I don't think he can. I actually said... Um, you know, after we'd lost four in a row, yes, we had played some good teams. Probably shouldn't have lost the Manly game. But if this next four weeks of the Titans, Warriors, Tigers and Bulldogs, if we went through that period two and two, he should get the bullet. Because they're four games the Broncos can't lose. And we've already lost one of them. That's it, and it looked like a give up on the coach game. The Titans one did. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and one thing you mentioned there, Sim, I don't think like... If we finish 12th or lower, he is not the coach to start of next season. Like I know there's rumours of clauses in his contract or similar, but this team will not go into that season without having happened. There's got to be, like when Moyes took over United, there was clauses about not making Champions Leagues and stuff. Like There's got to be clauses in his contract, right? But it's like, mate, like it's one of those things that this club, I know there's a coaching cap and he's on a million dollars a year, but this is a club that can stand to lose a lot more than a million dollars a year if they stop making finals football. Yeah, absolutely. The Broncos, they're not going to struggle to pay that out if that if you know if there is no clause and worse comes to worse, he's gone. He's gone regardless. Um your mate Mitch, big NR, uh, NRL big, he said it's no question he's <laughs> <get> really excited. <laughs> <laughs> Underscore Mert one. The club is now about to embark on a second club review in eight games after the para finals game. And now, why are they being so stubborn? And what are we not being told about this supposed salary cap mess? Um, it's not that I don't think it's not that we're not being told anything. It's the club are just trying to save face for the incredible mess that they've backed themselves into. Like the the way that we've gone, the coach isn't who they thought they were. Um, he can't get the players to play for him. And he's got no clear direction on what the club or the team wants to actually achieve on the field. Like, Blind Freddy can see that the last five weeks, we haven't run any sort of plays that make you think, oh, that's what we're actually trying to achieve throughout the game. It's literally helter-skelter out there. And all this talk from the board and Morris and White and everything like that, they're just trying to save face, trying to save their own ass because they're embarrassed about the decision they've made. Yeah. Yeah, mate. And after the last review, one of the, as I did mention earlier, but one of the decisions they made was to, on, on effective January 1, they uh, engaged Darren Lockyer to provide leadership consultancy services to the football department for a two-year period. It was, so the resolution to the last review was to give more responsibility to somebody who was responsible for what they were doing last time. So won't be shocked if the next review re- results in Paul White being extended a year. Make Seabold a mega coach. He just does more <laughs> of nothing. Starts at 4.30 in the morning. Um, <laughs> Pythago NRL. Uh, New looked okay at fullback except the errors, so should Seabold move Darius or Milford there next? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd probably move Milf. Move Milf because Darius can't be moved from that left centre spot. He's uh, he's the rock out there. I, I, I don't <laughs> think we asked Payne Haas to do enough. I think we should move Payne Haas back there. Well, he's our best cover defender, so why not? Um, follow-up question from Pythago NRL. Is there a 12-year-old we could promote from the junior ranks? Um, not that I've seen, but I'm sure that I'm sure that we've got somewhere, you know, one playing for Logan Brothers or something like that. So um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that Seabold can find someone. Um, this is a good one from the Sean Chand. Uh, if Seabs and White had a barbecue at their respective houses, what are the players ordering with their Macca's cards before they head around to paint houses? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, for me, it's hotcakes because they're all still kids. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> happy meals. <laughs> uh, um, right, from, <laughs> from Budu in, yeah. Uh, oh, you, God. <laughs> 
If you had to be caught in a Broncos jersey or tongue kissing your sister, would you use a breath mint first? Wait up. If I'd rather be caught doing one or other, oh, God. Um, well, I'm wearing a Diamonds jersey right now because it's comfy. So, um, Maddie McP25 asks, if I ever expected this podcast to be the one that covered my worst team I support, and that's a no. Um, I never thought that would happen. Uh, regularly wrong. Outside of sacking of Seabold, Boyd, and the CEO, what are the three things you would do if you were on the board? Probably covered that. Yeah, that's they're pretty much the first things, really. Um, Dan Bland, 56. I remember the days of Nicarima at halfback fondly now. See, this is a funny one because I think we were talking about it the other day. Like, Nicarima was never the seven that we wanted either. It's just no. that he was the best of a bad bunch. You know, like, again, it was the square peg in a round hole type thing. And we never wanted Nicarima as a long term five eight, oh, you know, halfback. He was always the 14 that we wanted him to play, but we didn't have that seven because of the Hunt bungle and also then losing Ash Taylor. Like, that was the biggest mistake that the club made was letting Hunt go thinking that Ash will just stay on. And then once he left, we were in a bit of trouble because we had no actual halfback to fall back on. And I think that sort of moment there has really sort of led to a bunch of bad decisions by the club in uh, in their attention strategy. So, Yeah, yeah 100%, mate. Like Nick Arima, and I said at the time, I didn't want him as our halfback, but there was one halfback starting in the NRL I wanted less than him, and that was Brody Croft. And like, it's not that I think Nico is a talented guy, but it just wasn't the right fit with Milford as our seven. You know, like he's playing more of a six at the Warriors, and it's doing wonders for him with his running game. Defense is still terrible, mind, but he just, he wasn't the long term answer. We wanted an answer. And I think that's been the toughest pill to swallow is like, as you said, we lost Taylor, then then we lost Hunt. And we, we put this top gap in, top gap in, in Nicarima, but the response has been not to go out and sign, like you said, maybe a Luke Keery, even though he's not truly a, a seven, but it's not been that. It's to, oh, well, maybe this Brody Croft guy will, will be it. Maybe. Maybe he's the guy. And it really worries you. That's what their talent identification is, is that Brody Croft is the answer to any one of our questions. Yeah, when, when they start looking at Brody Croft, who was dumped from a storm side, and the storm are clearly happy to let him go, you're probably not going after the right guy. Like, I think, Mitch, you and I have talked about how much we wanted Jake Clifford rather than Brody Croft, and you could have got him on far less money, and he's a, he's a far better player. Like, just watching him on the weekend when they played the Knights, so his, good. Kick, his kicking to felt is on the try line every time. Croft kicking to Coates is kicking 10, 15 metres out and then relying on an offload and then hopefully Stags to do something decent. Yeah, like, the one kicking in on the try line, Coates scored off of him. Yeah. But just watching Clifford run that Cowboys side around, you know, he's just unassuming but does everything well. Croft is unassuming and does everything poorly. I love Clifford, mate, and it's it's a tragedy. And it's the same thing, mate, when I see guys like Harry Grant not playing for the Broncos after not having Cam Smith for 15 years. We've got to watch Brody Croft play for the Broncos while guys like Jake Clifford play elsewhere, who are young Queenslanders as well. Um, right, another one from Dan Bland, 56, said, Surely Dean has to play halfback now. Also, I feel like long term, our long-term fullback is a guy coming through the system now called Reese Walsh. What do you guys think? You can probably speak more to the fullback sitch, Mitch, but I, I think did and should be starting at seven. Um, th- that's a no-brainer for me. Croft is awful, and I hope we get rid of his contract in the next uh, 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like Croft is in the same boat as Darius for Seabold, that he's going to die on that island and, and go down with that ship, but I don't know why. Uh, but I feel like, like he's still signed for another two years after this year, but his contract isn't huge that, you know, if I was a new coach, I ne- he'd never see the field again if I came into the club. Um, didn't obvious to anyone with eyes that he should be starting over Croft, but he isn't. I don't know why. And then, I mean, even on the weekend when he ran that Shepherd, at least he could throw a pass that was more than four meters that was accurate because Croft can't do that. Uh, as for as for the fullback, man, I'm kind of sick of thinking about the next guy is going to be the next thing at Brisbane. I'm kind of really sick of that. 
So I hope Reese Waltz one day becomes a special talent, but I don't give a fuck at the moment about him being the next Broncos fullback because we've already got two other next Broncos fullbacks in the team right now. And I don't care. If a better if a fullback was available on the market or I know is good right now, I'll sign him and worry about the young fellas later. Yeah, I still want Asako to be the fullback, but I don't know. I think that's about just me at this point on that island. No, he's, I'm with you too, he's done a, He's done a good job. Asako should have never been dropped. His five games at the back have been better than anything that Boyd produced last year. He attacks the ball. I don't think he's really made any errors as such, like, you know, fielding bombs and that sort of thing. He, he's done a very, very good job as, as a fullback. It's the rest of the team that has not been doing their part of the job. That's what That's makes it hard is just like everybody, the whole side is just so bad. I don't think you can actually get a good look at someone like Asako because I think if you put him in any other side where they had, you know, forwards making offloads and you needed a support playing fullback and Asako could play that, I think you'd see a much better player than what people are looking at and then like going and ranting on Facebook about. Mate, I'm sick, that, sick of people thinking he hasn't got any talent. The Roosters wanted him last year, for Christ's sake, and you think he's got no talent. Like, he's got bags of talent. And yes, he's made some mistakes and he's learning, but he was he was pretty good at fullback there. And then he put Tessie Nui in that, Nui in that situation where he's only thrown to the wolves himself. Like, Tessie, I have a big fa- I'm a big fan of his talent. He's got bags of talent, but he's kind of undersized. He's playing fullback in the NRL right now. And if he's going to play NRL games, center, if there's an injury, I thought was okay. But, like, pretty pretty much should be playing reserve grade if there is none now, doing what we did in, like, Lockie's first year of his career. When the team was doing well, he was on the bench, he'd play 15, 20 minutes. You know, just don't replace the, uh, the fullback with him. No, you put him on there and just let him run around. Like, that, I don't, that's, we just seem to do fullback for fullback subs, hey, with, that, with our, the bench utility. He's the only coach I see who just does direct swap with someone else. Yeah, remember he took off Arthur's the other week just to... Take him off? Yes, put another winger on. Like, just, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, um, righto, Liam Patrick, 1993, which course did Seabold study at Harvard? God, it actually, it's some coaching course. It actually is like, he just did like a, me or you could do that course. One of those things you pay for it and you go there for like a week and get a certificate. I forget what it was called. It was like a leadership or a coaching course you did there. I think I've done a level one coaching course, so maybe I can... Maybe I can take over. Doesn't quite have the ring, say, though, saying I did TAFE in, like, South Brisbane. Not quite the Harvard ring to their name. Uh, Great underscore Nehemiah. Has Seabold lost the playing group to the point of no return? Also, thoughts on Lockheed's youth policy? Um, I don't don't even know if it's he's lost the playing group. I think it's just he's confused the absolute buggery out of him. <laughs> and they just don't they just don't know what he actually wants because he probably has a shocking way of speaking to kids, you know. It it's almost like the kids these days attitude from him. He doesn't he can't really relate to them. He's not he thinks he's too smart for his own good and the kids are just like, "What are you talking about, man? We're playing rugby league." Yeah. Okay, I've got, I've got a quote here for you just based on the last question. It says, he will spend time at Google and the New York Jets. The most valuable part of his US trip will be the two days he spends at Harvard, where he will take part in a $3,400 course titled Building More Effective Teams. Well, he's done go. that. And uh, Port Adelaide development coach Aaron Greaves has done it as well. And he's just still a development coach. Oh, well. <laughs> um, and that question just then... Oh, God, I lost my train of thought. What was the question again? I, I had an answer. Has he um, lost the playing group? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. In in my work, I'm lucky enough myself to to meet a lot of guys in footy who have worked in – well, I work with guys who still work there and people have worked at clubs and have been around the traps and similar. And I'm not going to name names or say who told me this, but I, I speak in one of them after the game, who, who's a guy who'd been around the club before, and he said to me, I would have locked him out of the dressing room after the Titans game. He's lost that group and he's never getting it back. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> imagine imagine the news if that happened, like if the game ended and then 16 of the players sprint off the pitch and lock Darius Boyd and Anthony Seabold out of the dressing room. Oh, I heard this so <laughs> crazy. It'd be great. Um, just on, though, Port Adelaide, Doyle, they're top of the ladder right now in the AFL, undefeated. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> granted, granted, being a Melbourneite now, 
They have played the four easiest teams, I think. Oh, mate. It's a tragedy, you know that. It's a real tragedy. <laughs> That's all right. The Suns are first. I think the same four easy teams, and we've won three, second on the Yeah, Suns Sun, are second. It's beautiful sailing. I'm going to boot up Suns Central again. We'll get that podcast going. <laughs> talk about a winning team. Um, right, last one here from Errol on Toast. If contracts weren't a factor, which two players would you poach to improve our club? Well, I think we mentioned it earlier. Like, uh, Kiri would be one, and I'd definitely go after Dal Fanukin as well. I mean, uh, I absolutely love the way Fanukin plays. He is no nonsense. He's through the middle, can play a little bit with the ball, uh, defends, knows, just knows how to be good on the rugby league field. And, you know, We've all seen what Kiri's done the last couple of years. Like that kid is now one of the top couple of halves in the game. Um, you know, they're, they're the two that I would really like to go after. Um, can't really think of anyone else at the moment, just off the top of my head. But yeah, definitely those two. Well, my t- I've got two, mate. So one of them's we mentioned before that he's wanted to play at the club in the past, and he's one of the best, if not the best player in the game currently. But it's James Tedesco comes in and plays fullback. And controversially, Absolutely. yeah, controversially, I'm not picking a half because if I'm again, if I'm running the joint, we're just starting dude in Milford. But I'm I'm taking Harry Grant. I want him for a decade. That's who I'm taking my other one. I want a hooker. I want someone. He can be the fulcrum of the team, and then we'll see what happens on Milford on the back of that. Well, you see um, what he's done at the Tigers. He's almost, you know, not so much taken Luke Brooks out of the game, but he's doing a lot more of the creative stuff around the middle and. And Brooks and Reynolds are both just sort of running off what he creates. And it's so good. Yeah, I, I'd I'd love to have Harry Grant at the side. Um, yeah, he'd be he'd be amazing. And yeah, I'd definitely have him as well. I also am not taking a half. I I had Harry Grant written down as a third option, but I'll go my other two. Jason Tamalolo, I'm taking him. And as a slightly oh. different one, we'll go two years at Cam Smith, and then I'll make him my coach after that. <laughs> I like the Tam Lolo one, mate. Like our pack just having him, Haas. We're just getting every 80 minute pro, everyone that can play 80 minutes and is like runs for 300 meters a game. Just get them all. I like it. Mate, other teams aren't making meters if we've got all the props. So <laughs> we just, and then we get Willie Mason as well. So every game we can be like, where's all your props gone? <laughs> <laughs> That was the last one. I don't know if we want to talk about this other game. It's already an hour, but uh, do we have do you have anything you want to say before about the uh, the Warriors game, Benny? Any expectations, mate? Oh, look, I'm, honestly, I'm expecting. Well, before I heard Roger was out, I was really expecting us to lose because there's just no energy in the performance at all. Um, as soon as they're put on the back foot, they roll over. Um, and that obviously shows that they're not playing for the coach. Um, but given Rogers out, I don't know, maybe we can put 60 minutes together that might be able to get enough points to actually beat these guys. Um, it's not like they're scoring an abundance of points. So this could be a, a 14-8 scoreline. Jared Beal's coming back to finish the Broncos off properly. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, actually very rarely afraid of Cody Nicarima, but uh, yeah, <laughs> as a revenge oh, game. Revenge game. I, know, I know you say also the Warriors haven't been scoring lots of points, but they also haven't been given 38 repeat sets every week so far, you know, and that's going to happen here. So I'd... Cody well, Nicarima, he's going to score a hat-trick himself. We're conceding 30 a game, so I mean, we're in, we're in deep shit. That's what I mean. We're going to give them a heap of repeat sets and they'll get multiple sets on our line. Cody's going to score for sure. You mentioned that, and here's this a funny quote that came out. We're recording, and I've been sent it to us during recording, and this is uh, from Seabold just today. He says, it's almost like we were guinea pigs for the first couple of weeks. We are always the first game of the round. We were really competitive against the Eels, but there's been a number of times we gave away six again. The next week, the referee was really heavy around policing the 10. It's about adjusting to that. As a coach, you've got to take responsibility, but the players can only also help themselves. But essentially, he's saying we've been getting dudded by the referees now, apparently. With the guinea pigs Actually, boys... That's- that's one thing that I really wanted to point out throughout this whole five loss, you know, run that we've been going on. He's talked about, oh, we haven't adjusted to the new rules and we haven't adjusted to this. I'm like, mate, 
that's 100% on your coaching then. If you can't get across to your playing group that giving away repeat sets is going to tie you out defensively, leading to an abundance of points being scored against you and therefore losing the game, then you're not doing your fucking job properly. That was always the worst. No other coach is saying the same things, mate. As you said, it's like, that is your job. And you're out there admitting that you can't do that part of your job. And it's what, it's not your fault? That's no. your whole job, mate, is to teach them these new rules. You knew they were coming. Ready. Even in that quote you just had then, Doyle, he said we're competitive against the Eels. We lost 34 to 6. Like, in what world is that competitive? <laughs> well, remember, we had our best uh, effective contact when we lost by 30 against the... Uh, the Rabbitohs last year, so who knows? Well, that's competitive compared to a 58-0 thrashing that they gave us the time before. It's, com- it's competitive to our other games this year. Yeah. Ugh. Cool. Well, it's been fun. Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for coming on, Benny, mate. Any, any parting words? Any last slashes at the club? or you know, <laughs> No, no. I'm not, never taking shots at the club. I just <laughs> some, some of the people that are... Currently employed by the club is, uh, you know, I've got my beefs with, but, you know, I'll, I'll always stand by them and I'll always support them. I'll get frustrated as shit and cranky at, you know, everyone around me when they lose. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed we can actually, you know, I don't necessarily want to win against the Warriors because it's mm-hmm. bad for business, but I still don't want to, you know, feel like I want to hang myself. So... It's a tough it's a tough position to be in right now, you know. Back in isolation, I don't know if I can cope with a loss by myself. It's a lose lose, isn't it, mate? <laughs> it's terrible. Send us a message if you need the hand, mate. He needs <laughs> need someone to chat to. <laughs> but no, no, nothing further on the uh, on the game upcoming and you know, the games after that. There are three games we should win, but um, you know I remember we should have beaten the Bulldogs last year or it was like a Rub your hand together, oh. game. We're going to have a good win here, boys, and we got absolutely thrashed. So, could be another one of those weeks. Yep. I just know if we give away the first like two penalties, we've lost. That's what happens absolutely. every other week. So if that happens, I'll just yeah, may as well pack it up and go and uh, go to bed early. I'll be drinking think, straight whiskey. So I don't think we'll be able to compete against a side that's not going to make an error. They'll like they'll drop the ball twice all game, and that's just going to do us in. One hundred percent, mate. Oh, tough. Okay, anyway, let's get out of here, boys. So, anyway, thanks for joining us again, Benny. No See worries, you later, bro. Thanks, Hey! Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.